You see, this verse became an anchor verse for me back in 2017. The Lord had spoken to me in 2014, where he wanted me to leave the Caribbean and to return back to my country of the U.S. However, because of finances, it was becoming quite a difficult assignment. In 2017, after losing everything, whatever little that I had, and surviving Hurricane Irma, I was obedient, but of course I was a little afraid. Here I was, a single woman, with little to no finances. And when I left in 2017, I had $80 in my hand. Hi, and welcome to the Words of Encouragement podcast, a podcast of love, hope, inspiration, and encouragement using the Word of God for people from all walks of life. And of course, I'm your host, Arlena. Welcome everyone and thank you once again for joining me on another episode of the Words of Encouragement podcast. I pray that each and every one of you are in the best of health, best of strength, and most importantly, in the best of spirits. As always, I like to begin each episode by giving all thanks and all praises to the Father who art in heaven, His Son Jesus Christ, and of course to the Holy Spirit, because without them, I am nothing. And without them, I cannot do anything. However, because of Christ Jesus, I can do all things through him who strengthens me, including this podcast and this podcast episode. Once again, thank you very much to each and every one of you for listening, downloading, sharing, commenting, liking, following, or subscribing. I truly appreciate it even to those that just stop by to see what I am doing. Nevertheless, I thank each and every one of you. Now today where I am at, the temperature is currently 84 degrees. Well, actually earlier when I had the intention of starting, it was partly sunny, but right now, yeah, it is cloudy. I am currently sipping on some orange sunrise tea. And I think I forgot to add some apple cider vinegar to it. Oh, yes, right. But anyway, yes, I'm having that with some lemon and, of course, some brown sugar because I'm trying my best to sip on it to help me so that I can keep these mouth clicks down. Today, I am starting a new series once again. The name of this series is the Be Strong series. And of course, it is a four-part series. So today, I will be bringing to you the first part of this four-part series. And the name and title of today's episode is Be Strong and of Good Courage. 
This is episode number 058. Also, please stay tuned after the episode for the monthly Heroes of Faith segment. And of course, this month's feature is, of course, one of my all-time favorite Heroes of Faith. Also, after that, stay tuned for the quote of the episode, as well as any closing comments or remarks. Today's episode is inspired and taken from Joshua 1 verses 9. Also, the passages that will be used for today's message will also be taken from Joshua 1. I will be reading from verse 1 to 9 with the key scripture being verse 9. And I will, of course, be reading from the New King James Version. And it reads, After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, to the land which I am giving to them, the children of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given you, as I said to Moses. From the wilderness and this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, and all the land of the Hittites, and to the great sea, toward the going down of the sun, shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and of good courage, for to this people you shall divide as an inheritance the land which I swore to their fathers to give to them. Only be strong and very courageous, that you may observe to do according to all the law which Moses my servant commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may prosper wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid, nor be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Moses, the servant of the living God, was dead. The people, of course, which were the children of Israel, needed a new leader to lead them into the promised land, the land of milk and honey the land that the Lord had promised to their forefathers, starting with Abraham when God called him out of Haran and promised to make his generations as numerous as the stars. Joshua the son of Nun was next in line to lead the people into the promised land. Joshua was also Moses' assistant or former assistant. Joshua, the son of Nun, was next in line to lead the people into the promised land. 
Joshua was also Moses's former assistant. So who better to lead the people than Joshua? Also, I am sure that Joshua had learned quite a bit from all the years he spent being Moses's assistant. Joshua also demonstrated great faith and courage when he was one of the 12 spies sent to scope out the land. Out of the 12 spies that had been sent out, 10 out of them came back with a bad report, except for Joshua and Caleb. Despite the obstacles, which of course happened to be the giants in the land, both Joshua and Caleb were optimistic. They had great faith that despite the giants, they could possess the land. Okay, so today I have five observations. And actually, even though it's only five, it's quite a bit of meat. So let's get into it. So the first observation. In this first chapter of the book of Joshua, we see where the Lord commissions Joshua as the new leader to lead the children of Israel to their promised land. Now, starting with verse one, we see where the Lord speaks to Joshua. And it reads, after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses's assistant, saying, Moses, my servant is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, to the land which I am giving to them, the children of Israel. God's servant which was applied to both Moses and Joshua, signifies God's prime minister, which is the person by whom he issues his orders and by whom he accomplished all his purposes and designs. No person ever bore this title in the like sense but the Redeemer, which, of course, is none other than Jesus Christ. And of course, that quote was taken from the Clark commentary and I found it quite useful. So yeah, I was more than happy to use it because it definitely drove the point home. So the next observation, the Lord told Joshua and the children of Israel, every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given you, as I said to Moses. Now there are two things that kind of stuck out to me when I was doing this study. First, God told Joshua, every place your foot will tread upon. He didn't say feet. He said foot. And as we know, feet means more than one. We have two feet. However, according to the New King James Version, it says foot. Wherever the sole of your foot or wherever the sole of their feet, because it was multiple people, touched would be theirs. The second thing that stood out is, I have given you from the wilderness and this Lebanon as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, and to the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your territory, meaning it was already theirs. He didn't say every place. 
that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I will give to you. It says, I have given to you, meaning it had already been done. They just needed to have faith, believe, enter, and lay hold of it. God was speaking to Joshua. The whole land was given to them, but they could only possess that which they claimed. What they took must be fought for against a determined opposition. I love what the Enduring Word Commentary says, and it reads, Because taking the land took effort, the challenge ahead was not for those content with Egypt, but for those who would press ahead for what God had called them to, which was the promised land. Okay, the next observation. The Lord also gave Joshua and the people comfort and reassurance that no man would ever be able to stand before them all the days of their lives. Just as he was with Moses, so would he also be with Joshua and the children of Israel. We read this in verse 5 where it says, No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. Joshua and the children of Israel had God's presence and assurance in this matter. God repeatedly tells Joshua and the people to be strong and courageous. The fact that he tells them to be strong three times, this tells me that they must have had some sense of fear on this journey that was laid before them. And according to Enduring Word Commentary, Joshua is called to boldness in God. This exposes Joshua's weakness and that there was a need for such a command because even a great leader like Joshua, he still needed encouragement. Just like Joshua was a great leader and he needed encouragement, the same applies to our great leaders of today, as well as many of us who are on the forefront in this battle as we fight to get the gospel of Jesus Christ out. The Lord commanded Joshua to observe and obey his laws. In order for the journey or the assignment to be effective, Joshua had to be careful to observe the law. Joshua's obedience and commitment to God's laws would be the keys to his success. Not only did God instruct Joshua to read his word, but it should also never depart from his mouth. So in other words, he was to store it up in his heart and in his mind by meditating on it day and night. And then his way would be made prosperous with good success. In verse 9, the Lord reminds Joshua of his command, which he stated previously in verse 5, to be strong and of good courage. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. He was their God, and they were his chosen people, who not only had his assurance, but also his presence. God was with Israel. They had his blessing, assurance, as well as his presence to accompany them on the journey to obtain their victory, as long as they remembered 
what God had commanded. Okay, so that was the end of my observation. So now I am going to give a little brief testimony. This verse, which of course is Joshua 1 verses 9, which is the key verse. And of course, I have a podcast episode, um, I think I did in 2017. Oh boy, how time flies. We're using the same verse. You see, this verse became an anchor verse for me back in 2017. The Lord had spoken to me in 2014, where he wanted me to leave the Caribbean and to return back to my country of the U.S. However, because of finances, it was becoming quite a difficult assignment. In 2017, after losing everything, whatever little that I had, and surviving Hurricane Irma, I was obedient, but of course I was a little afraid. Here I was, a single woman, with little to no finances. And when I left in 2017, I had $80 in my hand. And if you go back to, I think it is the um, testimony of encouragement part one, I give more details in that as well. Some of these details, as well, some of these details are also in the great depression episode. There's part one and part two, which are two great episodes. And I share where, how God helped me to overcome the great, deep, 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 dark depression. And like I said, here as a single woman, I had no help but God himself. And I remember when the Lord told me to go. I don't want, like I said, I don't want to really go back too much into this story. If you want to hear about the story more in depth, you can check out, you know, those episodes that I just mentioned. But I'm just going to give you like a brief synopsis. This verse became my anchor along with the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Because when the Lord told me to go back to the U.S., I'm like, okay, but where am I going? I don't have any money. I can't afford to rent an apartment. I stayed with a family member for a little while. And then, of course, I ended up in a homeless shelter. And from there, I caught the Chinese bus. This is the brief version of it. Um, after I got my tax return, cause I had no money. And once I, my tax return came in, I bought a ticket on the Chinese bus and I headed to the South. From that point on, this is where I am currently at. At this point, God led me out. And like I said, for more details, you can check out that testimony. I think it's entitled Testimony of Encouragement, part one. You can go more into details in that, as well as the Great Depression Part 1 and Part 2 episodes for more of that story. This verse became my anchor. And I can truly say that God did not fail me. He has never failed me. And I am forever thankful, grateful, and truly humbled. Because I know where God brought me from. And I couldn't have made it this far if it were not for him and his son, Jesus Christ. A great lesson that we can all take away from this. When taking on any assignment, first and foremost, it is important that we make sure, be certain that it is a God-given assignment. 
And it's also important to make sure that we are in right standing with the Lord. In order to take on any God-given assignment, it is very important that we have God's presence and assurance as we move forward into whatever it is that he has called us to do for his kingdom and his glory, not ours. When we operate in the will of God and his plan for our lives, as believers or children of God, we are bound to have his presence, reassurance, which of course leads not just to success, but great victory through Christ Jesus. Once we have confirmation that it is of God, then we are to arise and lay hold of whatever it is that God is calling us to possess. Another very important part of us laying hold of what God is calling us to possess, we need to have faith. We must also be strong and courageous. For what God has called, he will see it through. He promises to be with us everywhere we go. He also promised to never leave us nor forsake us. For like Israel, he is our God and we too are his people through Christ Jesus, who is our Redeemer, Lord and Savior. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, please help us to be strong and of good courage. Help us, Lord, not to be afraid, nor to be dismayed, because you, the Lord our God, is with us wherever we go. In Jesus' mighty name, I pray. Amen. Stay tuned. Up next is our monthly Heroes of Faith segment. You are listening to the Words of Encouragement podcast with Arlena. back. I hope and pray that you did enjoy the first part in the Be Strong series. I also hope and pray that you were able to get something out of it. Most importantly, I hope and pray that you were able to see and to receive Jesus Christ. So yeah, so welcome to this month's Heroes of Faith segment. And this month's Hero of Faith is none other than one of my all-time favorite biblical figures. And of course, it is none other than King David. Ah, King David. If you have listened to past Heroes of Faith segments, you may have heard me say or refer to myself as the female Peter and the female David. Of course, meaning that me too, like King David, I'm a very loving, caring, and repentant person. And me too, like King David, am a woman with a heart that is after God's own. Of course, well, David was a man and I'm a woman. And of course, like the Apostle Peter, I too can put my foot in my mouth at times, just like Peter did. And me too, like Peter, I am very bold. 
even if I'm afraid, I'm going to do it no matter what, especially if it is something that God has called me to do. Even if that means I'm going to be hated. And like both Peter and King David, I am a warrior for the kingdom of God. So let's get into it. King David. King David, Israel's second king, was known for his skills as both warrior and writer of the Psalms. David ruled as Israel's king for 40 years. According to sources, David ruled between 1010 and 970 BCE. With the help of God, David led the people of Israel to victory in many battles. While David was king, he conquered land, as well as he helped to pave the way for his successor, his son, King Solomon, to build the holy temple. David was the youngest of Jesse's seven sons, who was from the tribe of Judah. David was also the great-grandson of Ruth, the Moabitess. Before David became king, he spent his life as a shepherd, tending to his father's sheep. After Saul failed to obey the Lord's command concerning the Amalekites, spiritually the kingdom was torn from him and given to another, which of course was none other than David, the shepherd boy. David was anointed somewhere between 1025 BC according to online sources. So that would have probably made David between 15 to 17 years of age at the time, according to these sources. David was not only the young boy who had killed Goliath, he was also described as God's anointed one and a man that was after God's own heart. God chose him from amongst all his brothers to lead the people of Israel as their king. The people had chosen Saul, but God chose David. There was a big difference between both of these men. They were both kings of Israel during their appointed times. However, David was a man after God's own heart, despite his shortcomings. David loved the Lord with all his heart, and David professed the Lord as his God, whereas Saul's heart was far from God. When Saul was confronted by the prophet Samuel, after his disobedience towards the Lord, and not carrying out the orders of the living God concerning the Amalekites, instead of Saul repenting, he blamed everyone else for the reason why he did not obey the commands of the Lord. Not only did Saul have a boatload of excuses, Saul feared the people more than he feared the living God. On the other hand, David was a God-fearing man who sought to please his God, even though we know he did eventually mess up at times. The Lord had rejected Saul by tearing the kingdom away from him and giving it to David. One of the real interesting things was 1 Samuel 15 verses 30, where it reads, Then he said, I have sinned. Now this is Saul speaking. He said, I have sinned, yet honor me now, please, before the elders of my people and before Israel, and return with me that I may worship the Lord your God. Now see the difference here? Before he could go and worship the Lord, he wanted to be honored 
before his people. Mm. The prophet Samuel was grieved because he truly loved Saul, but God had rejected him. It was time to move on, and it was time to choose another king. God sent Samuel to choose and anoint one of Jesse's sons as king. Now, the Lord did not tell Samuel exactly which one of Jesse's sons he had chosen. And this is what it says in 1 Samuel verses 16, reading from verse 1. And it reads, How long will you mourn for Saul, since I have rejected him as king over Israel? Fill your horn with oil and be on your way. I am sending you to Jesse of Bethlehem. I have chosen one of his sons to be king. Samuel, of course, thought he would know which one the Lord had chosen from amongst the sons of Jesse to be king, just based on their appearance. As Samuel first laid eyes on Eliab, David's older brother, he says, Surely the Lord's anointed stands here before the Lord. The Lord then answers in verse 7 and says, Do not look at his appearance or at his physical stature, because I have refused him. For the Lord does not see as man sees, for man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Jesse had all of his sons pass before the prophet, except for one. The Lord had rejected each and every one of them. Samuel then turns to Jesse and asks, Are all the young men here? And this is what Jesse replies. There remains yet the youngest. And there he is, keeping the sheep. Mm. He didn't even consider um, David. And Samuel said to Jesse, Send and bring him, for we will not sit down till he comes here. So he sent and brought him in. Now he was ruddy, with bright eyes, and good looking. And the Lord said, Arise, anoint him, for this is the one. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brothers. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. When Samuel anointed David, it didn't instantly make him king. However, it did mean and signal that the Lord had chosen him, that he was the anointed one. From that day, the spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David. David's duties were split between his father's sheep and being a musician for King Saul at the time. David did not merely feed his father's sheep. He also had to protect them from harm and at times placing himself in dangerous situations or actually positions by defending the flock from the lions and bears. One of David's biggest claims to fame came when he slew Goliath, making him a giant slayer. Goliath taunted the Israelites day in and day out. Goliath would come out and challenge them to fight. However, they were all afraid of the giant, including King Saul, his men, and, of course, which also included some of David's brothers who were also part of Saul's army. Every single one of the people of Israel were afraid of Goliath. 
However, David overheard the Israelites talking about the reward that would be given to the person who defeated the giant. Not only was Goliath taunting the children of Israel, he was also mocking their God. By them cowering was a way of saying that the God of Israel was no match for the God of the Philistines. King Saul, his men, and the people of Israel stood there cowering day after day as Goliath insulted the living God. David wasn't having it. David said to the Philistine, You come to me with a sword, with a spear, and with a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defiled. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hand, and I will strike you and take your head from you. And this day I will give the carcasses of the camp of the Philistines to the birds of the air and the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. Then all this assembly shall know that the Lord does not save with sword and spear, for the battle is the Lord's. And he will give you into our hands. And of course, if you know the story, with a sling and a stone, David struck down the Philistine and cut his head off. Defeating Goliath marked the beginning of David's life as a warrior. Wherever Saul sent David, God went with him. And he was successful. And the more successful David became the more responsibility Saul gave him. David was seen as a greater warrior than Saul, and this displeased Saul and made him jealous or rather envious of David. And from that point on, he sought ways that he could kill David because they had attributed thousands to him, King Saul, and of course, ten thousands to David, and rightfully so. Saul remained David's enemy for life. He sought every opportunity that he could to kill David, but the Lord protected him. And despite Saul's hate and jealousy for David, David still loved Saul and remained respectful towards him, even when he had the opportunity to take his life. David, being the faithful person that he was, loved his friend Jonathan, who was also Saul's son. Their unbreakable bond and friendship could even be seen after the death of both the king and his sons. David remained faithful to King Saul's household, even inviting Jonathan's son, Mephibosheth, who was lame in both feet, to eat at his table. David also gave to him his rightful portion of what was of the house of Saul. Even though David was chosen and anointed by God to be Israel's next king, he had a long and difficult path to the throne. When Saul died, the tribe of Judah anointed David as their king. But Abner, son of Ner, and the commander-in-chief of Saul's army made Ishbosheth, which is Saul's son, king over Israel. However, what Ner did not know or realize that God had anointed and appointed David to be the next king of Israel, not Ishbosheth. There's a huge difference when God anoints and appoints rather than when men 
a point, which of course always leads to being short-lived or disastrous. In Ishbosheth's case, it was short-lived because he was eventually killed in the end by some Israelite men who wanted or thought that they could impress David by doing so. And when they went to deliver what they thought would be good news to David of what they had done, David had them executed. You see, David was not just a warrior. He was also a very just man. And of course, David's reign as king of Israel lasted 40 years until he was succeeded by his son, Solomon. David was anointed king by Israel's elders at the age of 30. And that would have been between 13 to 15 years from the time that God had chosen him and the prophet Samuel had anointed him as the future king of Israel. Once David became king, he retook the fortress of Zion, which today is known as the city of David with the help of the good Lord. David was also able to conquer Jerusalem. He also recaptured the Ark of the Covenant and brought it back to its rightful place, which was with the people of Israel. David was a mighty warrior. And as king of Israel, David had won many battles with God on his side. He made Israel a formidable nation, a force to be reckoned with, all with the help of the living God. David was also able to expand Israel's territory and military strength. He was able to do all this, including pointing his people to the one and only true loving and living God, his God, Jehovah. Later, David found himself in quite a predicament or rather an entanglement, as they call it today. Rather, he placed himself in a situation that no one should place themselves in, let alone a child of God. David became entangled with Uriah's wife, who was, of course, Bathsheba. He later had him killed, and he took Bathsheba to be his wife. From this union, she became pregnant, and of course, the child later died. David knew what he was doing was wrong, but he still chose to do it anyway. And because of his sin, he ended up paying a very heavy price. David's house was never at peace because of that sword of death that he used to have Uriah killed by placing him at the forefront of the battle, causing him to be struck and killed. The Lord ended up sending the prophet Nathan, of course, to David, and David eventually ended up repenting and confessing his sin. And he was very remorseful. And of course, he was restored in his relationship with the living God. However, he would pay the price for what he had done. David's sin later started affecting his children. His son Ammon went on to rape his sister Tamar. David did not discipline Ammon, nor did he comfort his defiled daughter. David took swift action when the men had killed Ishbosheth, the son of Saul, but he did not take any action when it came to his own children, or his daughter rather. Could it be that David felt some sort of guilt, especially after what he did to Uriah? Who knows? Whatever the reason, he did not take action. And since David did not take any sort of action, his son Absalom, who also shared the same mother as Tamar, took it upon himself to give his own justice. And of course, 
he ended up killing his brother Ammon. Had David probably disciplined Ammon, just maybe Absalom probably would have not taken the matter into his own hands. But then again, Absalom had some issues of his own. He was vain and conceited, so who knows? Absalom decided to flee to avoid any justice being taken against him by the king. Absalom decided to flee to avoid any justice being taken against him by the king. And after being away from his father for all those years, he decided while he was away to hatch up a plan with some of David's men in order how he could overthrow his father from the throne and become king. David did allow Absalom back into his presence. And Absalom later became one of David's biggest thorns in the flesh, causing David to run for his life. Absalom was eventually killed and David mourned the loss of his son. David always wanted to build the temple of God. Because of all the blood that David shed, the Lord did not allow him to build the temple. Instead, the assignment was given to his son, Solomon, who was later his successor as king. And of course, David had at least eight wives, of which included Macho, who was his first wife, and she was the daughter of Saul. Abigail, who was Nabal's widow, who Nabal the fool. And Bathsheba, who was Solomon's mother and the widow of Uriah, whom David had killed. And according to online sources, David had at least 20 children, of which he had 19 sons and one daughter, which was Tamar, of course, who was later defiled. And her life was like completely ruined. Personally, I think one of the most beautiful things about David, which is why he is one of my favorite biblical figures in the Old Testament and in the entire Bible, is because of his heart. David was a man with a heart that was after God's own. And I think I repeated that like how many times, but it is the truth because it's one of the things that you saw about him most, his heart. And to me, I more saw his heart and his, his honesty and his love for God more than I saw his mistakes. Not only was David a man after God's own heart, God himself said it. You know, he was a shepherd boy who went from being a giant slayer to a mighty and dangerous warrior who truly loved his God. And of course, he later became Israel's second king. The portrayal of David's love for his God is one of the most beautiful and breathtaking scenes throughout the entire Bible, right after Jesus' love for his heavenly father. You see, David depended on the Lord. He cried out to him day and night for protection, provision, and victory against his enemies, who were very many. Because David was a repentant man with a heart after God's own. There we go again. God promised him that one of his descendants would sit at his right hand. And of course, that is none other than our Lord, Master, and Savior, Jesus Christ. The risen King who was, who is, and who is coming again. I hope and pray that you did enjoy this month's Heroes of Faith segment, which featured King David 
Israel's greatest king. After that, I'm sure you can see why he is one of my favorites and why I refer to myself as the female David and the female Peter. Because like David, I too am a woman after God's own heart. I'm a warrior for God's kingdom, and I'm also a just woman who also, like King David, loves her Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Also, as I begin to wrap up this season, this will be the last Heroes of Faith segment for this season. Stay tuned. Up next is the quote of the episode and any closing remarks. Welcome back. I hope and pray that you did enjoy the Heroes of Faith segment, of course, where I featured none other than King David, Israel's greatest king. And of course, that was the last Heroes of Faith segment of the season. I cannot wait to close off this season. But yeah, we still got some work to do. So up next, of course, is the quote of the episode. And this episode's quote reads, The underground church is a poor and suffering church, but it has few lukewarm members. And that's by Richard Wormbrandt, who is the author of Tortured for Christ. And I'm going to read that one more time because I need some people to get this. It reads, The underground church is a poor and suffering church, but it has few lukewarm members. We live in a society today where some believers or even pastors, preachers, teachers feel that if they don't have large numbers, then they might not be doing what they must not be doing what God has called them to do, or they probably feel like they're not successful. And if you are just doing it to get numbers, whether it's in your church and whatever, you know, whether it's through podcasts, YouTube, whatever the case is. Listen, what this quote says is profound because I had another quote here and I happened this quote came up in my Facebook memories that was posted 10 years ago when I read that book because I found it a very powerful and profound quote. I love quotes. And I had to change my original quote that I had for this episode and use this one instead because to me, this one was really profound. And especially for this day and age, it is important as believers that we don't look at the numbers. I know sometimes it can be discouraging for even me myself at times, but at this point, I'm okay with it. I don't need a large crowd and I don't want a large crowd. I only want who God sends to me and who is for me. So oftentimes, that might mean, hey, an episode that you've put so much work into, it might get five plays. And maybe out of five plays, maybe one person may get it. But the most important thing is, 
Don't look at the fact that maybe, okay, your episode only got five plays and you put like hours and, you know, doing research, typing it up, recording it, editing it, and then you only get five. You could look at it like that. And there was a time I used to look at it like that, but I don't at this point. Because at the end of the day, I only want who God sends here. So if you have clicked on this podcast, that means God has sent you here. And the key is that once he has sent you here, I hope and pray that you do get something from it. But most importantly, that you get Christ, that you get the message that the Lord is trying to convey through this or any other episode that I may produce. So it's not about numbers and it's not about being rich because like he said, the underground church is poor. And it's suffering. And oftentimes, many of us that are trying to do the gospel, to share the true gospel of Jesus Christ, oftentimes, many of us are poor. Many of us are struggling. Many of us are suffering. But guess what? Even more of us are not lukewarm. So yeah, so that's my little quote and my little commentary on that quote. So once again, I'd like to take time out to say thank you for joining me on another episode of the Words of Encouragement podcast. I pray that this episode of this podcast has been a blessing to you. And if indeed this episode of this podcast has been a blessing to you, please feel free to share it with someone else. Please feel free to subscribe to the Words of Encouragement podcast on iTunes.com, Spreaker.com, Podomatic.com. It can also be found on Google Podcasts. Castbox, Player FM, Podacy, Podtail, and Deezer. You can also leave me a rating on iTunes.com. You can feel free to like, share, and subscribe on either of the above mentioned platforms. Also, please feel free to check out my other podcast, the Nuggets of Thankfulness podcast, which is a devotional audio podcast, and it is also featured on the same platforms as just mentioned above. And you could also check out Arlena Uncut. And Arlena's Corner, which is based off of my blog. And of course, I have not recorded an episode for these in quite some time. So as I wind down this season, when that time comes, I will be focusing a little more on producing some episodes for those um, two particular podcasts. But they can be found on Spreaker.com solely. Also, please feel free to check out my YouTube channels at Arlena's Corner. Um, I also have the Spare and Dravelin that I will be reworking, so I'm not going to issue that at this point. If you like, you can simply drop me a line at arlenaflanders01 at gmail.com. And you can also check out my blog at www.arlenaflanders.wordpress.com. Yeah, I haven't posted nothing there in a while either, but that's okay. I'll be working on that eventually. But there's some great articles that I have posted previously that you can always go back and, you know, Take a look if you choose to do so, and it's free. It doesn't cost one thing, and neither am I asking for anything. So I look forward to being with you on another episode of the Words of Encouragement podcast. Remember, as long as there is life, it is never too late to accept Christ. Be blessed. See you next time.